following audio is a Sunday sermon from Red Church in Blackburn, Australia. For more information about the church and its ministry, please go to www.redchurch.org.au. Hello, if I haven't met you, my name's Ryan. If I've met you as well, my name's Ryan, actually. But um, uh, I'm a Red Apprentice Minister here. I'm the last standing Red Apprentice Minister. I graduate this year. Um, and it's great to bring you the message tonight. I haven't spoke here for quite some time. So, um, yeah, it's good to be with you. Um, I think you know we're in a series, He is King. Um, we're in the Advent series, the lead into Christmas. Um, and this whole series is just around acknowledging that Jesus is King. He is King. He has come. And we're preparing ourselves, remembering this moment in history when he did come. And that's what this Advent series has been about. This is the third talk in the series. And I wanted to start by just um, recapping on the first two talks. So if you remember week one, week one was Bjorn. He kicked off the series. Um, And Bjorn um, had this... Uh, his talk, I've, I've kind of summarised it. You don't have to go back and podcast it because I'm going to summarise it in one line. No, I'm joking. You can go back and podcast it if you weren't there. But Bjorn asked this question, a spiritual question. He said, are you awake? He asked this question, are you awake? And he asked it, he littered this question all the way through his talk and he, he kind of felt like he was opening doors and taking us deeper and deeper into this, this, this question of, am I awake? There was a moment when Bjorn... Um, said he recounted a story as he was prepping his, his sermon where Beth, his wife, said to him, are we awake? Are we awake? So Bjorn asked this question, are you awake? Last week, Brittany spoke and um, I, I wasn't, uh, wasn't around, I was on leave, but I listened, to, I listened to the podcast in the car. And Brittany asked this, this second profound question. Now, now that people are awake, she said that each generation is asked, will you see? Will you hear? Will you understand this message of hope? Are you awake? Are you seeing? Are you hearing? Are you understanding this message of hope? And a lot, in a lot of ways, this, this, what I'm about to say tonight doesn't really provide anything new. It just takes those two messages and builds on them. Last week, Britt spoke from Isaiah 6, and this week, I'm speaking from Isaiah 60. So if you've got your your Maroon Bibles, um, grab those. We're on page 516, Isaiah 60, verses 1 through to 3. I think I've got it on the screen as well. There you go. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. I am, I've read this probably a number of times through the week as I've been prepping this message, and I've got... I wanted to start with four main points that I really feel that God is is speaking through these three verses. The first thing that was really profound, really stuck out to me, was first of all, you stand on this promise. There's just so much certainty in the words here. 
Um, when, you, when you read them, it, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. It's not it may come. It doesn't say the glory of the Lord may rise upon you. There's just, it's just a fact. There's this certainty that this, there is this promise that is, that is just a given. The glory of the Lord will come over you. So that's the first point. The second is actually this is a call to action. This is a call to arise. This is a change of posture. This is a call to, to step forward in action. God is actually asking us, because of this promise, to respond to it. My third point is you are actually called to reflect God's glory. Arise, that called a posture towards him, and shine to reflect God's glory into this earth. And my fourth point is God has a purpose and plan. God has a purpose of plan over you as a people and over you individually. In this verse, when it says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is actually God's plan. God's, God's given us a promise. He's calling us to action. He's asking us to reflect his glory into the world. And this is actually his plan for humanity. So we're just going to spend a, a bit of time unpacking that tonight. And as we do, I wanted to start with a question. And the question is this. Are you with them or are you with him? Are you with them or are you with him? So it's this Jesus that brings light into the world. And it's our ability to be awake, as Bjorn spoke of, to turn our faces to Jesus, to what he wants to do that aligns us with him. The reality is this, we're actually in a spiritual battle. We're actually in a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle at play in your life, in the world around you. Whether you acknowledge it or not, it's actually a battle going on around you. In your work, in your home life. What God is doing in this world is he is gathering a people. He's gathering his people into light. And what the enemy is doing, conversely, where God is over here gathering people into light, the enemy is at work over here fooling people to continue to stand in darkness. Tricking people to stand in darkness. That's just what's at play. That's all the way through scripture. So I wanted to point out a few really obvious things. And I was going to start with the divide. There's actually, through, through your life, in your world, all around you, there's two states. There's a state of darkness and there's a state of light. These two are actually mutually exclusive. As humans, we often try and create grey areas. uh, I'm in commerce, I'm in business, and the amount of times people say, oh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's just business. Like, it's okay to... No, actually, it's black and white. Actually, there is no grey areas. There is no grey. There's absolute truth. There's darkness, and there's light. They are mutually exclusive. That means that there are things in your life that are light, and the things in your life that are not light are darkness. They are mutually exclusive. When these two meet, 
That's called light. When light comes into darkness, it disappears. There's light and there's darkness. There's only two states. Don't be fooled. There is only light and darkness. I've realised how small the writing is on my slides as I'm doing this. Light is when you're with him. Darkness is when you're with them. You have been called to shine his light into dark places. That's what this verse is telling us. This is God's plan. Arise, shine. Arise and shine. Is that confronting for anyone? I, um, I was thinking about this and I was uh, praying about this as I was preparing and I'm like, I'm almost like, are you sure, God? This doesn't like, really seem like a good idea. There's, surely there's a better way than using uh, you know, me, a ragtag group of followers, to shine your light, your glory into this earth. This is the God that created the universe and he's asking you, to arise, you, to reflect his light into the world. This is a big call. So the first thing I was thinking was, are you sure this is a good... And the second thing I was thinking was, do I really believe that God can do it through me? Do I really believe that I can reflect his glory, his image into this world? Do you really believe that God's going to use you to reflect his glory into this world? Nations will come, kings to the brightness of your dawn. I found it just so confronting. And as I read on this, I read some commentaries around this. And uh, one commentary pointed out that when, that, when this, this verse talks about you, it's using the feminine singular, which is actually used, commonly used for a place, for a group of gathered people. It's actually talking about Zion. It's talking about the Jerusalem above. So what, what God is saying here is you people, you are going to shine his glory into this place. You are going to shine his glory into the world. Look around you. Look to your right and left. These are the people that God has gathered you with. God is, God is calling you to mission with these people. This is God's plan for the world. You're actually a generation being called to action. I, um, I carried on to, into the commentaries and trying to unpack this verse a bit further. And I was like, this is, this is confronting God. What, is, what, what, uh, what, what do you want me to say over these people? One, one um, commentary I read talked about how this is prophetic language. And it took me to Galatians. It took me to Galatians where it talks about um, the, the Jerusalem above, the new way. And it said, even though this is Old Testament language in this passage, um, it's actually, you've got to have, have, see this through the lens of the, new, of, of the new order, of the Jerusalem above. And then it did a really weird, weird thing. It, it took us back to Hagar and Sarah. As if anyone knows this story, there's a story in the Bible about Abraham. And Abraham's given this promise. Abraham's, Abraham's told... You are, going to, you are going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And, and from, you are going to be the father of nations from your seed, from your offspring. There's going to be the father of nations. But Abraham gets old and he doesn't walk in the promise, at least for a while. 
and he fathers a child um, through a slave. And he has a child. But later, much later, he, he has a second child through the promise of God. And there's this contrast in the Bible of, um, of walking in God's promise, which is freedom, and walking in the way of the world, in what seems logical, in what, um, what we want to satiate our needs, which is actually bondage. There's this contrast between the, accepting the promise of God and walking in freedom and walking in the world, which is in bondage. There's this contrast between light and between darkness. The promise of God is that he will shine upon you. That's what this verse is saying. You are his gathered people. That's just a fact. You are his gathered people. The only variable that's in this, in this verse, the only variable is your response, whether you will arise or not, whether you will align yourself to what he wants to do. The only variable is your choice, your posture towards him. When we awake, as Bjorn said, when we turn our face so that we see and we hear God, we then have arisen and we will shine. That's the promise. That's just going to happen. So I'm going to ask again, are you with them? Or are you with him? I, uh, I haven't always been a Christian. I, uh, I used to be, I, I, I usually say here, I used to be a hardcore atheist. I was one of those real preachy atheists uh, back in England. I used to like to bully people with my atheism. Um, I, knew, I knew everything. I just hadn't read much. Um, and um, when I was at uni, I, I was actually the social secretary for my halls of residence. There's like a thousand people in my halls of residence, and I was the guy. Um, you hit, have O Week here, I think you call it. Back there, it was fresh as fortnight. It was double the length. So I was like, the, I was the party liaison. And at the, towards the end of this freshest fortnight one year, um, we'd been on, on event after event after event. And there was this, I went to a sporting uni, so there was this big sports tournament. And there was this, um, this basketball game, basketball tournament. And um, I think there was a fair bit of snogging, we call it in the UK. So there's gastro had ripped through um, <laughs> the athletes in the basketball team. And I'm a pretty sociable guy, so I was sent out to, to do door knocking through, through you know, our, our um, halls of residence to find players. I had to go and find players. So I'm knocking on doors, and people are like, you know, towards the end of a fortnight, they've been partying for two weeks. They're like, not interested, go away, close the door. Anyway, I get to one, one door, I knock on this door, and it opens. And it, the, the guy was that short that I kind of had to look down, like... <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, there you are. And, and it had taken a while to come to the door, and I could see there was a book and a lamp in the background. And I was like, I'm looking for basketball players. Like, do I, do I just walk away? Do I just leave? And I said, oh, listen, mate, we're, we're short of basketball players. Have you ever played basketball? And I, I'm, I'm terrible at accents. But he, went, right, he, he just said, oh, I haven't played since, since I was back home. And I'm like, that's an American accent. You get your kit. Like, <laughs> So, uh, and he was like, no, 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 I haven't, I haven't played in ages. I haven't played in... I said, I don't, I don't care. We're short of players. Put, get your stuff. You're going. I bullied him into getting his kit. So as we're walking down, I'm like, so what, what's your name? He said, Marvin. His name's Marvin. So we, we walked down to this tournament. 
I'd, I, there was enough people, I'd arranged a big enough event, there was about 200 people watching from, from our halls, and everyone's having a drink, and, and I throw him into the mix of the, this group that we'd assembled together. And, uh, and anyway, then the game, the, 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 I think they call it the, the, what do they call it, Brett? The toss-up? Do they ball up? Bounce up? Whatever. <laughs> I was clearly more interested in the drinking than the sport. Anyway, this, this guy, honestly, was phenomenal. This guy was something else. He, he was just hitting baskets from all over. He was shooting three-pointers. I was just like, what, where, who is this guy? He was so agile. He was just dancing around players. And I checked the terminology before. He was doing layups, are they? He was just like scoring. Point, I was just like, we were shocked. So during this tournament, I managed to orchestrate. We managed to make a, a banner that was like Magic Marvin. And we're like, which, we won the tournament. He carried us. This guy was just phenomenal, right? And I was like, I was just absolutely just shocked at this find. This little short guy was just phenomenal. I go up to him after the top. We, we won. There was a pitch invasion. 200 kind of inebriated students. Court invasion, sorry. And we're like, everyone's going, Marvin, Marvin. I run up to him. I was like, I was like Marvin. You're a machine. You are incredible. And he went, oh, oh, look, Ryan, Ryan. I didn't, and this is what he said to me. Oh, I didn't choose my body. God gave me my body. God gave me my ability. God gave me my body. God gave me my ability. That was 12 years ago. That moment is just burnt into my memory. As an atheist, in, in just this this magnificence, this guy just stopped me in my tracks and I was just shocked. Marvin had arisen. In, in just when, when he could have taken glory for himself, Marvin reflected. Marvin shone God's light into this world. It was just an incredible moment. So I, I was thinking about that this week as I was preparing, and I'm like, well, Marvin was aligned with God. So what was Marvin doing? What, what, what was Marvin doing? And if you're a note taker, this is what I've got for you. There's this darkness of the world, and there's this light that Marvin was walking in. And in the fanfare, Marvin was so focused on God and walking in his light that he was shining into the world. The first is this. I think the enemy uses tricks to keep us in the darkness. What Marvin could have done is gone, man, that guy's bigger than me. He's intimidating. He's got a big personality, bigger than me. I'm the, he's the quiet and assuming one. He could have gone, oh, God, this is too hard. He could have operated in fear. Marvin had an uncompromising faith. He didn't care about anything else. When I'm, I'm almost certain, I wish I'd have looked at that book, I'm almost certain he was reading that Bible when I knocked on his door. He had an uncompromising faith. And when someone, a loudmouth, that had arranged 200 people and was heaping glory on him, he was bold. He had this uncompromising faith. The second thing I've got is what the enemy does is he tricks us into complacency. He tricks us into complacency rather than having a spiritual awareness of what's going on around us. See, there's a spiritual battle going on. It's going on in my life. It's going on in your life. 
Marvin could have uh, finished that game and just been like, oh, it's just a game of basketball. I didn't, come to, I didn't come to faith in front of the guy. It was 10 years later I came to faith. But God used that in part of this spiritual battle to affect the course of my life. So rather than walking in complacency, even at the end of a basketball game, Marvin had this spiritual awareness to speak into my life, which was profound. The third thing I've got here, in darkness you have pride. And in light, you have this humble boldness. I don't know if you can see. Very, very tiny little word next to that. Pride. Which actually says subtle. Subtle pride. It's really interesting because when you're, um, when you're walking in arrogance, it's kind of obvious. Everyone sees it. But pride's a little bit different. And I, I, I've coined this term subtle pride, pride. Which is kind of like... Um, the enemy just whispering to you during the sermon, this, this bit's not for you, it's for them. You don't have to listen to this bit. This bit's not for you. You don't, it's not really, it's not your problem. Don't worry, you're all right. This subtle pride is toxic. Humble boldness is what God wants. And the final one. I don't know, I imagine that Marvin was engaged in, in church life. Because you can't survive and be that bold for Christ in circumstances like that without having a team with you. But what the enemy wants to do to hold us in darkness, it's actually a tactic in warfare, divide and conquer. The enemy wants to get us on our own. The enemy wants to, to, to remove you from the advice of your peers. From, the enemy wants to have you walking in disunity, so, sowing seeds of discontent. The enemy does not want you following your leaders. The enemy does not want you listening to God. So he creates division. And what walking in the light looks like is walking in unity. Walking in unity with what God wants to do. So today is a really simple rally cry. If Bjorn said wake up and Brittany said face God, I'm just saying know your role to shine his light into the world. There's actually this spiritual battle going on between darkness and light, between being with him and being with them. And what's really interesting about this is when, when, when you start to talk about them, it's easy to build a caricature of what the non-Christian looks like. I don't know if you've noticed, but when you read the Bible, God is so often talking to the people of God and not the people outside the church. In my subtle pride, I've been mistaken into thinking that the messages from the Bible, I'm okay because I'm in the church building. When you actually read the Bible, so often it's, the Bible is, is saying, there's a line. There's a line down the middle of the people of God. And I'm asking you to come with me, not stay with them. There's a line down the middle. Actually, more than that, there's a line down the middle of your heart and your posture in the moment will define whether you're with him or whether you're with them. And if we adopt these things, if we choose to adopt an uncompromising faith, which is a choice to say, I'm going to have faith despite what this looks like. If we choose to be spiritually aware, if we choose to be humble and bold, 
And if we choose unity, we're choosing to be with him. It's really interesting because often we think about um, God doing these huge things in the miraculous. And I can be guilty of going, yeah, but I don't know. Like, you know, Marvin did that huge thing. But I'm not a basketball player. I'm not going to go win a tournament and then tell some idiot that it's about God. Like, how do I do that? Like, so how, what do we do with this? Actually, about, probably it was about two, maybe three weeks after that, that tournament, I'm in the, in the lunchroom. I was in catered halls. So we, we, I'm sat with all the rugby boys, quite a big, I'm, the, I'm by far the smallest of the rugby guys. So it's a quite intimidating group. It was a tw- I remember it was 12 seater tables and there was this one spot in the middle. We were usually full and we were like, no one's welcome. Very, it's all about us. But there was one spot in the middle and I saw Marvin, this, this short guy, walking to get his lunch. I was like, hey Marvin, 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 come and have lunch with us. Come and have lunch with us. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a really meek, mild guy. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come and have, I'll come and eat with you. So he goes off to the canteen to get his lunch. So we we sit down and we're all we're all talking about that weirdo Marvin, the Christian. Look what he. Everyone, I told everyone the story. Like, cuckoo, like, and and he he came over and I like he came over with his lunch tray. He had to kind of get in between us. He put his tray down. He sat down. He put his knife and fork next to his plate, and he just stopped. And he in front of like 11 other very loud rugby guys. He just bowed his head, put his hands together and just prayed over his meal. Again, this is 12 years ago, burnt into my memory. When Marvin won the the tournament and had, you know, 200 people telling him he's great, he just shone the light of Christ into the world. And on the Monday and of a Monday or a Tuesday... When he's eating a meal, he still shone the light of Christ into the world. So I just want to put it to you that, that this, this shining of the light is not something that's reserved for the superhuman short Americans that can win tournaments. This is for the people that eat meals. This is for all of you as the gathered people of God. You have the ability to shine the light of Christ into the world. When we choose to be with him, when we choose to be awake, when we choose to orientate ourselves towards God, when we see him, when we hear what he's saying, and when we choose to reflect that light into the world. The band's going to come up now. We're just going to, um, we're just going to play some music and I'm going to finish here. I just want to finish by... By just reiterating that as we prepare for this coming of Christ, as we prepare for this point in history where the world changed and, um, and God gave us an avenue to just uh, to grace, as we prepare for that, I just want us to remember that God's plan is actually to use us as a gathered people of God. God's plan is for his light to, to rise upon us for us to take a posture of openness and for us to reflect his glory into the world. That is God's plan. That is God's plan for this church. That is God's plan for this gathered group of people. So what we're going to do now as the band starts to play is we're actually going to stand. We're going to arise.
And we're just going to um, we're just going to open ourselves in a posture. We're just going to just bow your heads if you want to. We're just going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us, minister to us. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit have His way now, and we're just going to see what He wants to do.